we're not talking about you falling off a cliff, right? We're not talking about this devastating failure that's going to leave a battle scar and going to cause you ripples and repercussions that last for a long time. What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. Here we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are mine and those of my guest. And today's guest is my partner and uh, my main man, Austin Moreland. He's a captain with the Phoenix Fire Department. You want to know more about Austin, you can check him out in episode seven. But today we were rapping about quotations and 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 the different inspirational quotes that we find uh, in and around our lives and I said well you tell me what your your most interesting quotes are and I'll tell you a couple of mine and we'll chew them up and talk about them so that's what we did today so I hope you find uh, some edification and some enjoyment in this conversation check it out so Austin I wanted to um, I know you and I have we, we banter back and forth and share quotes periodically. And so I um, made a list of a, a couple of quotes that I thought were really interesting. And, um, and I know you did the same and I wanted to, you know, so many people look at motivational quotes as this uh, place to draw great energy from. And, and I think there's, there's definitely value in having a good, solid motivational quote that you can sink your teeth into and, and get a lot out of it. So what I want to do though, is go through a couple of motivational quotes and, and just talk about them. Cool. Talk about what you get from it, et cetera. Yeah. So. That, that's the part that is exciting to me is their interpretation because it will we'll have completely different views mm-hmm. and even the same person, I think different seasons of their life, that quote has different meanings. So it's kind of, it's a cool thing. Right. So do you want to go first? No, I'll go for it. Okay. So, um, let's see, let's just jump right in. Okay. It's a Sun Tzu quote. He who is waiting on the battlefield wins. So to me, when I, when I hear this quote, I, I picture myself being up early out on the battlefield, preparing and ready and honing my craft before the enemy is, is even awake. And so that puts me ahead of the curve, winning the battle long before he's even got as, you know, thought about waking up or whatever. But I know you had a totally different thought on that. <laughs> so uh, it's funny, and I'm a little bit embarrassed about it because once you explained to me that th- that to you it meant preparation, I thought, wow, I got a little bit of maturity to do because waiting is the word that tripped me up. And I thought, he who is waiting on the battlefield wins. And I thought, what are you waiting for? <laughs> like, take action. Go get it. Like, are you going to let the enemy come to you? Or are you going to let the battle come to you? Or are you going to be the aggressor and go and go take what's yours or go assert yourself or take some initiative? But I see now, which is kind of funny. I see now your point and, and, and the power of preparation and perseverance and the commitment to the battlefield. And I, I, I appreciate this quote, although I still think there's a part of me that thinks I <laughs> The key to victory is aggression. Right. Well, and to me, waiting on the battlefield means that you have done the preparation, yep. right? Like you don't get to that battlefield until you've gone out and, and practiced and honed and, and worked on your craft 
um, long before the game day or long before battle day or long before that firefight. Yeah. Um, you were, you know, well in, well honed and well in the game, uh, long before that. It reminds me uh, not to, I'm going to throw another quote in here real quick that just popped in my head, but it reminds me of, of the Musashi quote, um, know your enemy's sword. And when I think of that, I think, you know, it's about understanding what the enemy brings to the game, right? So being prepared to be on the battlefield, like in Sun Tzu, this idea that um, whatever it is that you are up against, in our case, we talk about a firefight, mm-hmm. understand the context of what you're dealing with, right? Understand how the building is going to collapse, understand where the fire is going to flare up, where it's going to go, how it's going to go, how the smoke's going to travel, how it's going to you know, develop and evolve and, and where it's going to kill you or injure you or what have you. Um, know that. And study it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you do that, you're so much more prepared for the battlefield, right? You're yep. so much more prepared for what you're uh, encountering. And if you want to be able to effect a rescue, then you freaking better know how this event's going to go and be able to forecast it. Uh, so to me, you know, there's so much wisdom in these ancient uh, ancient quotes. <laughs> I agree. And, and the quote that we've heard a lot lately is, is you know, if it's predictable, it's preventable. And that is mm. so true because just like you're talking about, these are these are things that you can anticipate. You can plan tactics. You can train accordingly. You can get ahead of the game because you know certain things are going to occur, especially in the fire service. Probably a little bit different in law enforcement, but for, for the fire service, I think you definitely have some, some forecasting that can take place ahead of time. If it's predictable, it's preventable. Who said that? You had any idea? That's just like ubiquitous, right? It's just everywhere. Yeah, and that, and that, like I wouldn't want to misquote who originally thought of it, but the more I think about it, it's 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 got a lot of truth and wisdom to it. Absolutely, I'm trying to think if I have a a spin on that that like it's so it's so straightforward to me. So here's here's the thing about that predictability, I think. You have to have a certain amount of knowledge to be able to forecast, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to predict. Mm-hmm. So if you are engaged and you're a student of your craft, you are going to be able to see things and be able to uh, forecast what's going to happen next, right? Which reminds me of another quote, <laughs> which is... Again, this one's a Musashi quote again, which is, you know, I'm choking on this candy, making a bunch of noise in my mouth. The, it, uh, if you know the way broadly, you will see it in all things. And so if you want to be able to predict the way an event's going to transpire on the fire ground or mm-hmm. in your life, study it, understand the big implications, understand the broader context, and you'll, it'll be very obvious as things begin to unfold in front of you. You know, I think of, you know, uh, as a parent, right? How many times have you caught your kid doing something? They're like, no, dad, I, I didn't do that. And you're like, listen, dude, I can see you coming a mile away. Uh-huh. Like, I know exactly what you're up to because you've been down this path before. You, 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 you're a student of that game. <laughs> I know you. I know you well, intimately know you. Right. Yeah. But better. you're right. What's predictable for one person might not be predictable for everyone across the board. Mm. Right, because it's based on experience, mm-hmm. 
and how well you paid attention to that experience? Did you truly learn from it? And can you apply it in a different context or can you extrapolate it out and overlay it in other areas? So that's where that true wisdom comes from. So I love, you know, if you you know, say the quote again, if you can predict it, if it's predictable, it's preventable, uh-huh. right? So that really is, uh, it, it's predicated upon how much you're able to predict. So gain that knowledge, get ahead of the game, right? Yeah. What's your awareness? And then mm-hmm. what, like, it's funny, what preconceived notions do you already have? Because usually whatever you anticipate is going to happen is what's going to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got another one for you. Okay. Okay, a little slight change of gears. This one's General Stanley McChrystal. He says, leaders will let you fail without making you feel like a failure. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, dude, that's some awesome leadership one-on-one stuff in terms of, do you really ever fail or do you just get the opportunity to learn? Mm. And And the quote that... My wife is like the quote genius. So when I reached out to her and asked her the the quote about failure that she gave me was fail early, fail fast, fail forward, which I thought that is cool. Failing forward. So going back to yours and the leadership, mm-hmm. you're allowing your people, you're still, you're still there with them. You're still guiding and directing, but you're allowing them to, develop and, and mature and grow as a person. Right. Yeah. There's it, there is so much, uh, growth that takes place in failure, right. In making mistakes. And I think that's the point here that, that general McChrystal is trying to make is that a good leader is going to stand with you when you make a failure and help you see how, how this is a, is a fall forward, right? Mm-hmm. How this is a way for you to be better, to develop yourself, and to um, to take that uh, take a progression forward for you as a as a person, or you know professionally, or in your personal development, or whatever. Um, there's, you know, Jocko Jocko Wilnick, Navy SEAL. Great quote from his: "When when you make a mistake, you'll say that the quote of his is good." Super simple. <laughs> That's it. Close quote. Right. So he the premise being that there is development. In, in any type of failure, um, it's an opportunity for you to move forward, to uh, uh, expand your sets and reps and your, you know, your slide tray mm-hmm. of things that you've seen and been exposed to, et cetera. And there's so much um, opportunity there. It really is, though, it's so hard to, to see that growth opportunity in failure, right? Because mm-hmm. it hurts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes failure hurts. So that's what I love about this quote is that a good leader will will stand with you and will be with you when you make that mistake and and not make you feel like a total loser mm-hmm. just because you tripped up. Because I picture this as being failure is probably more memorable than success. Mm. When things go right, you probably are ignorant to the reasons why they went right. Or you don't reevaluate if it could have been done a better way. Maybe it was right, but there's still a more effective or efficient way to do it. Right. And I think that that failure is what is what you remember, and that's what drives you, and that's what prevents you from repetitive failures. Yeah, 
I like that. Well, and there's, that's where there's true wisdom in that, right? So if we, if you continue to make the same mistake twice, you clearly aren't learning anything. You know, we take promotional tests in Mm -hmm. the fire service and twice I came up short in some processes (laughs) and man, the first, the, the first time I came up short, I was so crushed. But I can tell you now, having some time and, and distance and shielding mm-hmm. from those events, right, mm-hmm. since been promoted, and I look back and go, man, those years after that failure, quote unquote, were some of the best, the best learning opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I matured and grew up so much in that time period. And interestingly, you know, the people who I would, you know, count as a mentor came to me and said, hey, you're going to be fine. This is going to be okay. And in the moment... You know, it was uncomfortable, but they shepherded me through that process and I came out the other side much, much better for having had that experience. Mm -hmm. So there's so much, uh, to me, there's so much, so much wisdom in that, but it is hard to gain that perspective. We're not talking about you falling off a cliff, right? We're not talking about this devastating failure that's going to leave a battle scar and going to cause you ripples and repercussions that last for a long time. This is like, we're talking about you skinning your knee. You know, in the grand scheme and the big picture of it, that leader understands that there's value in this. And as long as I am close by and I'm with you, I'm not going to let you fail miserably. You're not failing flat on your face. Right. You're failing in a way that you can recover and you can, and you can grow and mature. Right. To me, it's a lot like working out. Right, you're going to go out there and you're going to stress your body, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to, you know, the next couple of days you're going to be sore, mm-hmm. and you're going to think, man, what did I do to myself? But the down at the microscopic level and the cellular level, your body heals and comes back stronger, mm-hmm. and so that is the, the a net gain, even though it was uncomfortable. And so there's there's so much value in that struggle, and and because it's you know we see it in in our real life. There's always struggle, but at the end of the day, we always come back better for it. You know, you have that hard breakup or something like that. Well, guess what? You're gonna meet somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna I don't wanna say like oh we're gonna put a silver lining on everything. And at the end of the day, it's oh you know hey don't no none of this matters. It's all gonna be fine. Because the reality is that failure hurts and it's hard. But if you uh, if you bear it, you will come out better for it, you know, and you let, you don't let it define you. You, you embrace it and move on. so failure, good. <laughs> According to Jocko, it's good. Uh, okay. So speaking of which is great. Here's another quote. Uh, Jordan Peterson, he says, you don't make men safe by making them weak. You make men safe by making them strong and disciplined. Close quote. This quote is awesome to me. And to me, when I, when I read this quote, I, it's very, it's very clear to me. If you want people to be safe, you have to make them capable and you have to make them robust and knowledgeable and strong across Mm -hmm. the disciplines period. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think sometimes we, we try to coddle people. (laughs) <laughs> and by, by coddling them, we are actually undermining and, and weakening them completely. Mm-hmm. The, the coddling thing is exactly what I had thought of when I, mm. when I had, that was my first thing was, uh, you don't make men safe by making them weak. And I just thought, what, what makes 
people weak, right? Well, probably the inability to stand on their own two feet. Probably someone shielding and protecting and overbearing and making every choice and every decision for somebody is what makes somebody weak. Mm. We talked about this just the other day with a potential captain's candidate, right? Mm. And the question was, why do you want to be a captain? And we and we turned that around as if, what is the reason why there needs to be a captain? Why does there need to be a boss, a supervisor? Mm. And, and we had decided the number one reason why you have a person in authority, whether it's a, a captain or a, or a command officer, the number one reason is safety. That's truly why that person exists, right? So in regards to this quote, you make men safe by making them strong and disciplined. So if the work of a captain, if the work of a supervisor or a boss or even a, even a parent figure if the if the job is safety, then you achieve that by training, correct? You achieve that by making them strong and disciplined, well-educated, balanced, prepared for whatever the task is at hand. Yes. Yeah. When I think of disciplined, we're talking about holding the line when it's hard, right? Having integrity. This is a conversation we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. too, right? Having integrity to do what's expected when no one's watching you. And you think about that, like in a firefight or something and you're, you know, you're given an assignment and you might not be, you might not be visible, right? Um, but you've been given an assignment and no one can see you. Are you doing your job? What do you have the discipline to do what's expected of you? That is what keeps you safe position, function, and operating at the appropriate level in the right, doing the right thing. And you have to have discipline to execute that. So I think you're right on the, right on the mark, right? It's about training and then having the discipline to do what you are um, instructed to do and, and maintaining that. And then on top of that, having the self-discipline to do what you know you have to do. If, you know, if you're the boss, having the self-discipline to train your people, right? And, and, and to, and having the courage to evaluate what their needs are and take them out and, and prepare them for the difficult tasks at, at hand. Um, yeah, on, on every level, it requires that discipline. And, mm-hmm. and that's how we make, you know, we say men in this quote, but he's talking men, the understood collective, right? And, and in our world, this is, you know, the men and the women who, who we work with and, and who we live with, right? I, I think about my family and my wife and my children, et cetera. How do I make them safe? Exactly the same way, you know, through by making them strong and disciplined. Mm-hmm. And the best form of discipline is self-discipline, correct? Mm-hmm. That integrity piece, whether everybody, whether nobody's watching or whether everybody's watching, the discipline, the integrity, the trustworthiness to do the right thing simply because you know that that's the right thing. Yeah. And that's how you operate. That's how you handle yourself. I love it. All right. You got one? Go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Colonel Tom Colts. He says, no plan survives enemy contact. You may start off fighting your plan, but the enemy gets a vote. Close quote. What do you think of that? To to, to me, I think about adapting and overcoming. So you, you, you have plans and plans are awesome, right? 
It'd be foolish to not have a plan in place. It'd be foolish to leave things to hope or chance and just say, hey, we'll, we'll see how it goes, right? I'm just going to give it a try. But not only is it important to have that plan, but the ability to adapt and to overcome because that plan, it's probably not going to go 100% as you have expected it or you've prepared for. And the ability for you to recognize what's going on around you, have that situational awareness to figure out, okay, it's time to audible from this plan or it's time to reinforce a certain portion of this plan. I think that that's the key to success, especially because I like the end of it. The enemy gets a vote. The the thought that immediately comes to my mind, uh, we talk about, you and I have this conversation on a regular basis about going into a structure fire and you know, you, the tones drop and you head out and you have this great plan in place, how we're going to approach this event. And this is how it's going to be. But you have a, you have no idea how long that fire has been burning in that mm-hmm. building. B, you have no idea the quality of construction or if there's been overbuilds or remodels or, or, or any other different type of modification to that structure. Right. Or, you know, has it, okay. For example, I ran into a house fire once and I get three feet inside the door and I fell into a hole <laughs> and I jump up and I'm like, Hey, there's a hole in here. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, we know, um, you know, apparently they were trenching out the inside of the house to do a, to re plumb the entire place. So mm-hmm. looked like a standard house on the outside. The inside was completely gutted. Um, <laughs> and do you retreat because there's a hole? Right. So you just, guess you what? Just say it's, it's impossible. <laughs> it can't be done. My plan was for, was, was for there to be no hole. Right. So in this case, guess what? My plan got completely sidebarred mm-hmm. and uh, the enemy got a vote. And the vote was, there's no flooring in here. We got to, <laughs> you're going to have to do this differently. And, um, and so I love, I love the fact that you have to acknowledge that whatever it is you're up against, you have to be flexible mm-hmm. and prepared to adapt. And that you can only, if you're, you can only adapt if, if you have a good plan in place, first of all, and then have thought through some possible contingencies, right? Have a backup plan, have an alternative route, have a secondary means of egress, right? Like Mm -hmm. have a thought in your mind about how you're going to modify this. And I think about this all the time. Like as a parent, you're out on a trip and you're in the car and one of your kids gets sick. Well, what are you going to do? Right? Do you have towels in the car? My wife was really good at this. She'd always have paper towels or some kind of like contingency. And I'm like, oh, I, something would happen and I'd be like, ah, oh, crap. I don't know what we're going to do. Just throw the kid out of the car. No, you know, no, no, no. We have rolls of paper towels. We have a little bit of water we, and we have a way to handle this. Uh-huh. Thank heavens for her. The <laughs> That's why my dad taught me to always wear an undershirt because I remember having to go to the bathroom number two and my dad having to use his undershirt and I've done that specifically with my children. But I think about, so what is better? Is it better to have a template for a plan? like a checklist and you go from A to B to C to D and you follow this through or is it better just have a process that allows you to make decisions to evaluate other variables mm-hmm. and allows you to come with what's best for what the conditions are because one thing I love about the fire services we try to teach and train to 
your conditions dictate your actions, which I think is awesome. We have a plan of all these different possibilities, right? Right. We have this toolbox and we have all these, I mean, we have, we have a small number of objectives. We have three objectives, right? But we allow those conditions to dictate the actions we take to achieve those really, really simple, basic objectives. That is truly what the public and the community depends on us to do. That's why we have a job. 100%. 100%. I I love that you brought it back to that because the amount of flexibility you need when you pull up on an event, on a fire, for example, specifically as we'll talk about a fire, the amount of flexibility you need to adapt. Like you don't know, I mean, something as simple as you don't know if you're going to pull the hose 100 feet or 300 feet. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready to accommodate whatever the threat dictates and that requires a lot of thinking on your feet and a lot of dynamic processing and there's a great um you know decision making thing called the OODA loop right observe orient decide act Mm -hmm. and you repeat that process repeat 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 and the you know the enemy as mentioned in the quote in this particular case is a structure that's coming down you know it's disintegrating before your very eyes it's being affected by fire and it's beginning to come apart so it is evolving and you have to constantly be reevaluating what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you start with this general kind of overview of what you'd like to see done, right? Your kind of instant action plan is this general overview of, hey, I'm going to contain the fire. We're going to suppress it, prevent extension, et cetera. But guess what? That the, the place at which I was going to contain the fire might change in the next five minutes. Mm-hmm. And by the time I get a hose line in position to be able to affect fire suppression, the fire may have moved along. And so I have to be prepared to audible, if uh-huh, you will, uh-huh. and, and make an adapt, adaptation to my plan. So I think this, this quote is so important that we, cause it really illustrates, uh, you know, we kind of anthropomorphize, you know, the enemy in this particular case, but it really is a, a moving dynamic, uh, living thing, so to speak, even though it's not making decisions, uh-huh. things are happening in real time that are progressing and we have to be flexible enough to stay ahead of that curve as it evolves. So and the, the awesome things about that, those OODA loops is as stress is increased, as red flags pop up or, or, or points of concerns come to your attention, you just tighten up those loops, right? The less stress, the less going mm-hmm. on a bigger loop because you've got more time to review and to revise and things are going well, right? Now all of a sudden you're not getting the result you expected or there's some circumstances or conditions that you weren't, that weren't part of your original plan. Right. You tighten those loops. Those loops become shorter. They become smaller and it allows you to react quicker. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's designed to be on a tight, tight repeat. Right. And you mm-hmm. have to, and I think one of the hardest things about being a command officer or, or even anybody working in a hazard zone or in this like rapidly evolving, uh, event is, is, is revising and, and reacting and responding and reconsidering the threat. Um, it, you know, we say it, you know, in this particular place where we say, oh, this thing is very deliberate and you have to be thoughtful about it, but it is, has to become automatic. Mm-hmm. And so Colonel Colts is on the money on this one. All right. What do you got? Okay. So I got a quote for you, right? It's, I think it's pretty simple, but I'm, I'm going to throw it at you and I'll briefly explain what it means to me and then you can run with it. So okay. it, the quote is, if you want something you've never had, 
you have to do something you've never done. And for me, I love this quote because I think about sacrifice, right? I think about the amount of effort and work and the mindset that it takes to achieve something you've never achieved before. And you've done that before. You can talk about your experience, but, but if there's something that you want, you're going to have to go get it. It's mm. not going to come to you. If it's something you've never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done before. Absolutely. If, well, you know, that reminds me of the, uh, I think it's an Einstein quote or well, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to paraphrase. Basically says that in, insanity mm-hmm. is doing the same thing you've always done and expecting a different outcome. Yep. So to me, if that's kind of the, the juxtaposition of this quote, right? The idea that if you want to, if you want to break that cycle of repetition, you got to, you got to change something. You got to do something dramatically different. And, um, and that can be super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I don't have anything deep to say about no, that. No, no, but it helps to know the end state, right? If you know the end state, if what I'm looking for is to achieve this, if this is my goal, then it gives me some direction in how I can achieve it. Yeah. I think that's really, that's a really hard thing though, is to, I think for some folks is to say, this is the goal. And then mm-hmm. I got to do something totally, I got to change things in my life to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes a lot of reflection and, and Ooh, sometimes suspended reality to think that this this high level of achievement is what I'm willing to go for that. Mm-hmm. And it's not unreasonable and it's not crazy to think that I should achieve, you know, X, whatever that kind of highfalutin thing is you're aiming at. Um, and then be having the courage mm-hmm. to set aside your fears and start heading that way. The commitment, the yeah, commitment to yeah. daily maybe daily diet of what you want to do to achieve what your ultimate goal is. Yeah. The commitment, the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I like that. That's mm-hmm. I, I like your take on that. I really think it's important that, you know, if you were really, if there's something that you say you want, what are you willing to do? Mm-hmm. What are you willing to sacrifice to get there? You know, for a long time, I've said, I want to be back to 225, <laughs> and I'm hovering at like 240. Well, those last, you know, few pounds are not going to just fall off my body magically. Yeah. It takes a level of discipline and a level of, a level of pushing away. And, you know, it's not, (laughs) it's not for lack of knowledge, right? I, I have a deep understanding of what it takes to shape, uh, my body composition, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. But a lack of willingness to comply <laughs> with mm-hmm. that what, what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And that is a real, I think a lot of people struggle with that. You know, it doesn't matter what special fad diet you get on or whatever it is. It's about recognizing the end state and saying to yourself, I am willing to do the difficult, austere, suffer fest that it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to enjoy that process, right? Hard to exercise restraint. Mm. Delayed gratification is not an easy thing. Right. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Wimpy. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. You don't know that reference? Don't know, don't That's know Popeye, Wimpy. man. Wimpy's the fat guy on Popeye who oh. like, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. Crud. Spinach is That's good a, for you. <laughs> That's a bad reference. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, 
I got one more, okay. and it's a cool. it's an Alan Brunacini quote. Oh, all right. So, well, let's drop this one and we'll end with it. Okay. 2% of your time is spent dealing with tactical situations, and 98% of your time is spent dealing with human situations, and human situations are driven by emotions. <laughs> end quote. Yeah. Alan Brunacini. I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's got oh man, he's got a, he's got so many amazing different quotes, and it seems like everything that he was saying long ago still holds true today. Nothing yeah. has nothing has changed. The wisdom that he spoke years ago is still relevant today. Yeah. So that quote. What do you think about it? Ah, oh, relationships are tough. You know, 2% of your time dealing with tactical situations, 98% of your time dealing with human situations. That's tough because tactical situations you have a little bit of control over, right? This is my tactical problem. I get to do things the way I want to. That that human interaction, you know, the emotions, uh, egos, all those things that you have to take in place. And I'm not saying that they're not... That they're uh, that they're the enemy, but just like the enemy gets a vote, other people get a vote too, right? And and you have to be respectful of who they are, the differences, their opinions, what makes them tick, their backgrounds, and so yeah, I, that's that's a lot. That's what makes relationships so tricky, right? Well, even even on the fire ground, right, where you, you have human beings mm-hmm. that are that are out there working to get ahead of the event and you know you have to consider what they bring to the table and what their context is right it's so easy to think hey man just follow the just follow the prescription that we're given here and everything's going to be just fine but you have you know firefighters who have all different types of levels of knowledge skills and abilities and and all different types of emotional situations that they bring to work with them and it's very easy for us to just say hey man check the baggage at the door mm-hmm. don't bring your drama to work but that's just not real human beings are are way more complicated than that and it's not it's not fair for us um, to just say hey man don't don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not possible, right? You're you're constantly being affected by the things that are going on in your life. You know, and I think I think about this from time to time. You know, if things aren't going great at home, and my phone bings, you know, drops a tone on me, and I'm like, oh, that's my wife, and I'm like, and I know that she's thinking about some drama that's going on at home, and and so that's a that causes me a moment, a spike in my emotions, mm-hmm. and that's a real thing. And so you have to, you know, and if at that moment. A call kicks out. Well, guess what? I'm not in the perfect place for that mm-hmm. call. And when you're on the duty for 24 hours or more, those are real concerns and considerations. And so I think it, when I think about that, <clears throat> you know, in the context of who Chief Brunacini was when he mm-hmm. talks about, you know, survive, when, you know, the mission that we have, which is survive, prevent harm, and be nice, right? When you couch that in the human being aspect of it, our most precious commodity is our firefighters Mm -hmm. is our brothers and sisters and so so it's such an important thing for us to be thinking about the fact that if we want to if we want the tactical situations to go well Uh we have to be thinking about the emotional wellness and the the emotional preparedness of our people 
only then, if we take care of that 98%, can we properly and, and appropriately be prepared to take care of the 2%, I think. So for, for me personally, on a personal level, my, my struggle has always been with competitiveness. Like it's just the way I'm wired. It's kind of ironic because I've spent my whole entire life in teams and I truly work better in a team. I was made for the team environment. That's why the fire service was a perfect fit for me because it was what I was used to growing up and playing sports and doing other, being involved in other things. But at times it's difficult for me in human situations because of competitiveness, right? Because it's, I don't even think it's comparison. It's just, I have this competitiveness that I have to remember like, okay, rain and I are different people, right? I'm competing against myself. I'm not necessarily competing against rain, right? I'm trying to build this relationship. We're trying to experience life together. We're trying to sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. And really the battle inside is competing against myself to achieve what I want to achieve or to the, be the best that I can be or to work on areas that I know are a little bit weak inside of me. So I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you, you experienced that or not. I've always felt like, man, sometimes the key to success is just blinders, right? If you could have, if you could have blinders and you could just focus, right? And you could not pay attention to what's going on around you. And in a team that's difficult to do because you need to, you need to work well with other people. You need to be able to achieve collectively what the common goal is. Right. And that's just kind of my own personal struggle based upon the way I'm wired. Yeah. And it's a little bit, it's hard when you're, when you feel like you're competing, it's hard to look to your teammate and, and capitalize on their talents, mm -hmm. right? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to look at Austin and, and, oh, you know, he's really strong in this area and then leverage that talent because what if that makes me look it makes me look bad mm -hmm. because he's shining brighter than me and I'm just back here holding them up <laughs> for the world to see. Right. Um, it really takes a lot of humility to set somebody else, um, set somebody else's needs and, and heart and, and objectives ahead of yours or, or push or to let their light shine mm -hmm. and to push them up, um, to, if it accomplishes the mission, that's great, but it's hard to do when sometimes you feel like now I'm in their shadow, right? That's a real, uh, it's a real issue. And so going back to that quote, when you think about like the human, the human issues that we're dealing with, the emotions that we're dealing with, they're all, that's all part of that too, is the ego mm -hmm. and the extraneous things that are happening in our lives. This all influence who we are and what we bring to the table and, uh, impacts the way that we're able to you know, operate in our lives, you know, the way that we're able to engage with other people, it really it can affect us. And, you know, you said the word relationships, it is such an important part of it, right? Our ability to connect with other human beings mm -hmm. in a meaningful way can be disrupted by ambition and by ego and by, you know, hurt feelings and, and emotions. And there's all these real human being things that are going on that get in the way of just, you know, tactics mm -hmm. <laughs> right let's just go just do the job dude like let all that put that stuff aside but it's 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 a real part of the human beings that come to the table and we have to acknowledge that and i think you know we just put our leadership hat on and you think about when when chief bernasini is talking about that leadership element mm -hmm. what he's really saying to me is is understand that 
in order to be successful as a team, you have to look at the people, you look at the human beings, where they are, where they stand at that time, love them and, and bring them to the table and, and bring that team together. And as a leader, you need to look at all your different players and, and take each one of them where they stand, mm-hmm. you know, and know where they stand, understand where they stand and meet them there. Um, I think leaders need to be the flexible ones. You can't just say, no, 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 everyone needs to come stand it on my line. They might be in a different place and you have to accept that mm-hmm. and figure out how to help motivate and encourage and lead those people to the end state, whatever that might be, right? Whatever you're looking to, whatever your objective is as a team leader, where, how are you going to get them there? You, know, well, you have to meet them where they stand. If you were awesome at tactics, if you were the master of tactics, right? You were this awesome tactician and you suck at people and you don't have relationships. What do you think your outcome is going to be? Especially when you operate where you are reliant on other people, you're not going to solve very many problems in the fire service single-handedly. Right. And, and your tactics will fail miserably because you don't have the people skills to put those tactics into play. Right. Yeah. All the greatest tactics in the world are merely interesting if you don't have firefighters Absolutely, to execute right? them. Right? Hey, you might be able to get away with being average at tactics if you're surrounded by really, really good people that that respect you and that want to do a good job and that are like-minded. Right. They understand your leader's intent. They know mm-hmm. how to, they understand what the mission is and they can carry the ball. Right. And that's, that's the, and that is the beauty of understanding your players and being able to capitalize on their talents. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to, you build relationships where trust lives and, and then you, ex, you know, you empower people and you build that trust and you're in this together, right? You set your, you set your ego aside and you allow people to flourish in their areas of expertise and you strengthen those areas and you buoy them up and you, and you help people work toward a common goal, a common mission, you know, by building the team. But by, it starts with respecting who those players are, mm-hmm. respecting where they come from, building those relationships, building the trust. And only then can we realize this, you know, this end state, you know, and where, you know, you want to truly, you know, to, to use another Bruno quote, right. Which is the prevent harm, survive, be nice. If you want to accomplish that mission, you got to look at your people as human beings, as emotional human beings, and, you know, respect that and treat them as such. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is probably why in, in all of his wisdom, he decided let's personalize the customer. Let's right? give the customer a name. Mrs. So Smith. that that way we have a relationship with the customer. Right. That exactly. way that helps mm-hmm. us better meet our customer's needs. Yep. Yep. I love it. That's a really good way of saying that. What else you got? So. Kmore Macro wants me to read The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt. We got time for that? Yeah. Okay. Here it goes. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls 
who neither know victory nor defeat. Mm. The man in the arena, Theodore Roosevelt. I got nothing to say about that. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I, I I think that it is um, is such a famous quote and and such a powerful sentiment. Um, you know, I don't even. I almost feel like anything I would say would be just ridiculous oh. to say after that. <laughs> so, oh, I don't believe that, dude. You're always you're always filled, <laughs> oh, no. you're always filled with such good stuff. I just I just like the end, right? Imagine going through life, right? Imagine at the end of your days. You look back and you had never tasted neither victory nor defeat. Yeah. Imagine imagine the sense of unfulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's like, to me, you know, everybody has, and like we talked about, that's why I love quotes. But to me, this is inspiring to, you know, find what motivates you, find your purpose, find what you think is the reason why you are meant to be here, why you exist, and work towards that. Strive towards that. Right. So the part of that quote that I really, really strikes me, particularly in today's day and age, for some reason that that seems more relevant now than ever before, which is the the part about the man in the arena. Right. Read that section again, if you would. Are you looking at it? Yeah. We're talking about, okay, okay. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and and blood, who strives valiantly. Yeah. So, So when I hear that, I immediately remember how important it is that the doer of the deed is the one who is sacrificing and, and, and striving toward his vision, her vision toward, toward that, uh, penultimate goal that they have set for themselves and all the people sitting in the stands, mm-hmm. all the people in the interwebs who are out there throwing stones, casting shade, you know, whatever they can just suck it. We don't want to hear from those people at all. They mean nothing to me. I want to talk to the guy who's in the arena grinding and getting after it and putting it in every day and just throwing down. All those other people are merely interesting. All those other people who think to, who are thinking, oh, well, that guy, that, that guy, he's not achieving anything. Who, who cares about that guy? Oh, what? He's just a big blowhard. Mm, I think you're probably just upset at yourself because you are not pushing to do what you would like to do. So if you're, if your first thought is to cast, you know, cast aspersions on somebody else, then man, you really need to stop and think about what it is that you are doing or rather what it is that you are not doing that you've always wanted to do, but were too afraid to do or too, um, uh, uninspired to do or lacked goals or vision or whatever. But if you're sitting there thinking that other people are that are working and grinding and, 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 and you have a problem with that, mm-hmm. I just, I don't even know where to go with that. I just, it just pisses me off. <laughs> it just pisses me off it's, because people are so, people can be very lame. And I know that's a weak way of saying that, but it's just so unfortunate that people, and you know, that even sometimes the man in the arena can get insecure because of all these people uh-huh. who are paying attention to them and being like, oh, how dare you? Who do you think you are for, for trying to strive or trying to achieve or whatever? Well, 
It's my life. Let mm-hmm. me live it. Here I am in the arena doing my thing. Let me be my, let me, let me go after it. Let me fail. Mm-hmm. Let me try. Let me grind. But you know, there's people on the sidelines who are afraid to fail. Who it's are fear, f- right? It's fear that fear is and keeping insecurity. Them, yep. A hundred percent. That fear that is paralyzing them. Fear yeah. that is making them a critic instead of the man in the arena. Mm-hmm. So I, I, what I love about that quote is to me, it is an inspiration to get your butt up and off the couch and out into that arena metaphorically to do whatever it is mm-hmm. you have been wanting to do. Whatever it is you have said to yourself someday, I would like to do X. I want to travel. I want to accomplish an event. I want to run a marathon, an ultra marathon. I want to ride a bike across the United States. I want to go parachuting. I want to, I want to become a firefighter. I want to become a captain. I want to, you know, whatever it is that we have in our heart or in our mind, in our head of some kind of thing that we think we should strive toward, then do it. Because even if you fail, you failed while trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. something unique and they all, I hear people say things like, well, you know, if you only ran a 5K today, well, guess what? You ran 5K more than the guy sitting on the couch. And it seems silly, but it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 40, 45 years old, and I decided to start training jiu-jitsu. You want to talk about achy joints <laughs> and feeling like the old guy on the mat. But... It's something I said I wanted to do mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable and it's hard. And I have these young, smaller guys beating the stuffing out of me on a regular basis, but I'm learning and I'm growing. And now sometimes I'm not always getting the stuffing. Beat out of me, right? <laughs> I'm getting better little by little incrementally, step by step. I'm learning more. And I would submit to you that that applies in every aspect of your life. You know, you don't have to, don't wait. That's the one thing I would tell you. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Go now and start doing that thing that you said you always wanted to do. That's all I got to say about that. That's awesome. The man in the find, arena. I'd Go say, be that man in the arena. Find your battlefield. Everybody has their own battlefield, right? Find what it is. Indeed. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Austin. One thing I want to say is understand that you can draw motivation from any one of these quotes. The most important thing that you do is establish the purpose in your life. Once you have some purpose, the motivation will flow. So identify what it is you're trying to accomplish. Set that purpose aside and and set it out in front of yourself as something that you're striving toward. And you will wake up every day, your feet hitting the floor, ready to rock and roll. So again... In short, ID your purpose. Motivation will follow. Get some.